Good evening, good to see you tonight, glad that we're back here together. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, we'll be there in just a few minutes here. Have you ever been uh, singing a song and you sing the wrong words and you get the giggles? Lena and I just uh, had that for the last uh, two verses of that song, so we weren't singing too much. I know those things uh, happen sometimes. I blame her. Uh, this time, she'll probably blame me, and that's probably my fault. Uh, a couple of reminders before we get into our lesson uh, tonight. Hey, if uh, you have not taken a directory picture yet, hey, go ahead and do that, uh, because some of you don't look the same as you did the last time you took one. If you don't remember the last time you took a picture, that's a pretty good rule uh, uh, to go ahead and take a picture. Uh, go ahead and take one, and remember, hey, you may know everybody here. Probably not, because we're getting a lot of new people, uh, but a lot of the new people probably don't know you. So if you could help out that way, that would be a great blessing for that uh, printed bulletin and also for the, uh, the director that we have on our phones, that sort of thing. So if you can do that, uh, that would certainly be great. Also want to put a plug in for a class that's starting on Tuesday, this Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Uh, last... Um, not semester, last quarter, uh, we had an evangelism training class that uh, Matthew Sims uh, put together and taught, I believe that was on Wednesday nights, uh, and he's interested in continuing that. So if you're interested in uh, evangelism training about how you can talk to your friends more about Jesus, about how you can develop relationships with people and uh, touch those people with the gospel of Jesus, on Tuesday nights at uh, 6 o'clock, starting this Tuesday, uh, it would be a great opportunity for you to come and be a part of. Again, Matthew's going to lead, lead that. He's got a, a great curriculum, a great process, a great uh, a way that you can do it that's very practical and very easy. I've looked at it, I've seen it, and uh, it's, it's, you don't have to know a ton uh, about Scripture to be able to do it. Of course, that would help, but uh, you, you can do it even if you're a novice at any of these things. So if you want a, more information about that, feel free to talk to Matthew. I uh, know no, a number of other folks have been in the class, so you can talk to them. Uh, but please uh, be a part of that starting this Tuesday at 6 o'clock here at the building. Uh, we're starting, we're continuing a series that we started over a month ago, and I said when we uh, started the Look series that we're going to do this uh, every week, probably all the way through uh, July, and we haven't done one since then, uh, and that's probably been, you know, over six weeks ago or so, so we're finally getting back to it, hopefully. Uh, Lord willing, we'll uh, do these, uh, this series for uh, the next little while. This will be our Sunday night series through the summer. Uh, and then I'm thinking about uh, doing a, uh, a study of the book of Romans starting in August on Sunday nights. Uh, so you can be pre- preparing for that if you'd like to. Uh, that may be where we go. I want to show you a couple pictures here if, uh, if they're ready. They'll come up and uh, got some uh, pictures of some faces. All right. Uh, research shows that lots of, uh, probably as much as 60% of our communica- communication is body language. And a good portion of our body language is controlled in our face. Uh, how many of you guys have ever, you know, thought about, you know, uh, that your, your face is sending a, a different message than your words are sending? Or uh, your face is uh, giving away the way that you really think about a person or a situation? Uh, that sometimes it's, it's easier to control your words than it is to control your face? Uh, well, research shows that if we see people, in, that, that we see these types of faces, some of them are, are more welcoming Some of them we're more likely to talk to. Some of them we don't want to have anything to do with talking to those people at all. Some of them we just think they're weird. Why would I want to talk to a person like that? But the way that we, the way that we see what we look at informs and shapes the way that we would treat people uh, when we interact with them. I'm not sure if there's a second picture or not, Matthew. Is there one? There you go. Of course, uh, COVID made this a little more difficult uh, because uh, people were wearing masks and it was hard to tell sometimes if they were angry or mad or happy or surprised or any of those types of things. Thankfully, we're past all that now, uh, for the most part anyway, and and we've moved back on to to judging people based on their facial expressions. Um, So, but that's the reality, right? If you see somebody who, who looks like they're angry, 
uh, you're probably going to be less likely to go in and want to talk to them, okay? Uh, if you see somebody who looks um, kind of dopey, uh, you may not want to go talk to them either. If you see someone who looks friendly or uh, has a, a good positive look about their face, uh, those, those are things that we, uh, people that we generally are more interested in approaching. So the point being, when we look at people, we judge people. And that's just the reality. Of course, certainly, uh, the idea of not judging a book by its cover is there is more depth to a person than what their face may display, but that also is the first impression. And there's only one chance at a first impression. So we can think about all of those types of things. Tonight, we're going to talk about a man that we only have in all the Bible. We have 10 verses about him. One story about this man, and what you know about him is something you could see almost immediately. He's short. We're talking about Zacchaeus. In in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, we're going to look at Zacchaeus tonight. Again, uh, only 10 verses in all the Bible, but you probably have been to a vacation Bible school where Zacchaeus was talked about. You've probably heard lots and lots of sermons about Zacchaeus. You've probably thought about Zacchaeus. You've been in Bible classes about Zacchaeus where he's brought up as an example. And there's lots of different lessons uh, that we can and that you have and that we may touch on tonight. But, But one at the end I really want us to think about. What is Maybe the point of why in the world is the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible? Why did God, in all of his infinite wisdom, tell Luke through inspiration and through the people that Luke talked to as he was writing this gospel, why was this story included? It's not in any of the other gospels. None of the other writers of the gospels include the story of Zacchaeus. Why did Luke include this story? Why is it here? It's been here for 2,000 years. We're still talking about Zacchaeus. But again, probably when I say Zacchaeus, you think short, right? There's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be more to it than in God and all of his infinite wisdom for us to know about Zacchaeus more than just the fact that he's a short guy, right? A wee little man was he. We've got to know more about that. So let's think about this as we think about the look. And again, as we go through these stories, as we think about from, from this perspective on the look series, we want to see, okay, what do these different people see when they look at different groups of people? So we're going to walk through it, okay? Uh, in uh, verses 1 through 4, what does Zacchaeus see? Uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. And he, that's Jesus, uh, entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, that's of note because it's help, it helps us to set the, set the setting, okay? Now, we know Jericho. Again, when you think about Jericho, you think about the walls come, tumbling down, right? Okay, but this is way, way, way past that, okay? The walls are, have been down for a long, long time, okay? Uh, that's not where we're at anymore, not Joshua and the army surrounding Jericho and marching around. We're way past that part of the story. But Jericho is fairly close to and at least on the way to Jerusalem. That's important because right after Jesus goes through Jericho, he's working his way to Jerusalem, and he's working his way to Jerusalem for the last time. Okay, this is right before, this is some of the last stories that we're going to have before the triumphal entry and for his teaching and, and throwing people out of the temple and eventually before his death. Okay, so this is the last part of Jesus' life. Okay, uh, in other passages and maybe even in Luke as well, we find that, that when he's leaving on this journey, as he comes to Jericho, when he's leaving on this journey, he, he's involved with a, a rich young ruler. And we may have a, a look series about the rich young ruler at another time, but he starts this journey with the rich young ruler. Now, what do you remember about the rich young ruler? Now, you remember he's rich and he's young and he's ruler, uh, but you also probably remember uh, that if as far as someone to look as a, hey, uh, is th- would this person be someone good for me to talk to about Jesus? You know, not only is he rich, not only is he young, not only is he a ruler, but he's a guy who, as far as the commandments, it's, he says himself, and Jesus doesn't deny the fact, he doesn't call him arrogant, that he's kept these things from his youth. He is a perfect, we would think, 
target for the gospel of Jesus. So you want to be, if you're looking for people that would want to be interested in following Jesus, you would have looked at this young man who's rich and is a ruler and you would say, man, that's a great guy. I want to talk to him about Jesus. What's the end of the story? At least in what we have recorded, he walks away from Jesus. Okay? On the flip side of that, on the other side of this journey, he starts out on this journey. During this journey, he comes to Jericho and he meets Zacchaeus. What does Zacchaeus see? Verses 1 through 14, uh, 1 through 4, verse 2 to start with. Uh, And behold, there was a man called by the name Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Uh, so he ran on before them and climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. So here Zacchaeus apparently probably works in or around um, um, Jericho. Here uh, he's a chief tax collector, and this man would have had a, a reputation, and it would not have been a, a positive reputation. The tax collectors in general during this time, uh, perhaps even today, but certainly during that time, uh, they have a, a reputation of preying upon taxpayers. Uh, and because of this, uh, they're outcasts. Uh, they're not people who are generally accepted or, or welcomed. They, they don't have a whole lot of, uh, of friends among just about anybody, but certainly not among the, the righteous people. Uh, it, it's always been interesting to me. Uh, it, it's got to be something a little bit more than just like the IRS and that sort of thing. Nobody likes paying taxes. Uh, I don't like paying taxes anyway. Nobody, I don't think, likes paying taxes. So we have a general disdain I guess maybe I'm just talking about me uh, a general disdain for for the IRS and, and that sort of thing the idea of paying taxes and I'm not gonna you can talk to me about that later if you want to um, but this must have been something different because in the New Testament when you're talking about tax collectors they're always paired with sinners uh, that Jesus eats with sinners and tax collectors why would Jesus spend so much time with tax collectors and sinners and every time that tax collectors are mentioned in a group of people they're always just kind of lumped in with sinners and when we say sinners there he's not talking about people who like you and I just you know sin from time to time and struggle and uh, and sometimes we succeed and sometimes we fail sinners in that way he's talking about unrighteous people he's talking about people who have chosen to live an unrighteous life and tax collectors are just kind of lumped in with them and and I think that even even some of the teaching is if 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 somebody uh, doesn't um, Paul teaches it this way if somebody uh, denies Christ or if somebody refuses to repent then treat them as a tax collector and a sinner so even Paul does that culturally he recognizes uh, that those people are outcasts so here uh, Zacchaeus would have been an outcast but what does he see well he wants to see Jesus he's interested in seeing Jesus maybe he's heard about some of Jesus miracles maybe he's heard of Jesus teaching has he seen Jesus ever before doesn't seem like it but but certainly he's he's heard of him Uh, but he's also a prominent man man he may be an outcast but he's he's rich he's not any tax collector he's a chief tax collector maybe he has a region that he's in charge of but he he has some sort of position some sort of authority but he's willing to uh, humiliate himself isn't he I mean, you can think about that. You know, we can think about even like on the school playground uh, when uh, there are bigger kids and smaller kids. Generally, it's the smaller kids that get picked on. And the smaller kids don't uh, try and, and announce or proclaim or they're not very proud of their smallness, right? Uh, they try to, you know, stay out of the way and try and, uh, and not be picked on because of their, uh, their, their uh, small stature. But here Zacchaeus is willing to run ahead of people and climb up in a tree just to be able to see Jesus. So he's willing to humble himself, perhaps even humiliate himself as people walk by. They probably would have looked at him. Hey, you see Zacchaeus up in the tree? 
You see that guy, you know, you know he's a, he's a cheat, he's a liar, he's, he's all of these things, and now he's even climbing up in a tree. How embarrassing. So Zacchaeus, what does he see? He wants to see Jesus. Uh, let's look at verses 5 and 6 and see that when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, what, what's his response? And when Jesus came to the place, so he comes to the sycamore tree that Zacchaeus has climbed up in, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. So Zacchaeus hears about and wants to see this guy, Jesus. It said in those verses, he wants to see who he was. Now, does that mean that he just wanted to see, you know, if Jesus had a beard? I mean, maybe. Maybe he wanted to see what he looked like, but he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to know about Jesus. He wanted to have an interaction with Jesus. He wanted to, to learn about who is Jesus. And Jesus, I would say, learns about who Zacchaeus is when he sees him. He sees a guy who's willing to humiliate himself, willing to go to extremes to just to be able to see Jesus. Just to be able to lay eyes on him, it reminds us a little bit perhaps of the woman with the, the issue of blood who says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I believe that I'll be healed. Uh, just that, that little bit of interaction, that little bit of, of opportunity to, to be with Jesus. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus, uh, and, and Zacchaeus receives him gladly. Now what do the other people see in verse 7? Uh, when they, that's this, who's this they, okay? Um, let me suggest to you that this they, of anybody in this story, the they is probably us. Okay, uh, you're probably not Zacchaeus in this story. You're certainly not Jesus in this story. Uh, the day is probably us, okay? As far as application goes, uh, put yourself in that situation. When they saw it, what do they see? Well, they see Zacchaeus up in a tree. They see Jesus, this, this pop star, this, this guy who's extremely popular and everybody's following him. They're literally followers of Jesus, okay? They're literally following him from place to place. Okay, so they're much like us as followers of Jesus. When they uh, saw it, all of them began to grumble, saying, he has gotten to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Again, he's equating tax collector and sinner. We don't, we're not told anything else about him other than he's a chief tax collector and he's rich, but they assume automatically that he is a sinner. Jesus sees Zacchaeus as someone willing uh, to, to receive him willing to come to him, uh, but other people see just a sinner. Uh, so again, what does Jesus see? Let's read verses 8 through 10. But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, okay, now he hears what these other people are saying about him. Uh, and, and one of the, the uh, uh, references that we used as we put this lesson together uh, was pretty powerful. It said, Zacchaeus stood in all his shortness, all right? So he's there and he's surrounded by these people and they see, they hear him. He hears them talking about him. Hey, he's going to eat with Zacchaeus, that sinner. And they hear that, and it, and it seems like Zacchaeus stops in his tracks as he is hearing this, this mumbling, this grumbling, this whispering, and he turns not to the people, because he probably knows he won't get very far with them, but he turns to the Lord and he says, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have extorted anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, what's the reality? What's, what's the reality with Zacchaeus? Was Zacchaeus a sinner? I don't know. I'm not sure if he was or not. I don't know that we could automatically equate tax collector with sinner. We know the culture did, okay? The people of the first century, they equated tax collector and sinner. Had he cut corners, had he charged more than he should have, had he done any of those things, perhaps he had, okay? But here, in the opportunity that he has to interact with Jesus, he makes two bold claims. He says, I'm going to do two things that, that you would be terribly impressed by. Give half of your possessions to the poor. Are you going to do that tomorrow? 
That'd be a tough thing to do, wouldn't it? Give half of your possessions to the poor. And if I have exhorted anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. You know, you think back to uh, uh, Nathan and uh, David after David sinned with Bathsheba, uh, you know, and he tells the story about the little ewe lamb, and, and, uh, and David just gets really angry about how in the world could someone do such a thing? And then Nathan says, and then in the midst of this, he says, uh, that, that, that wicked person, the one who has stole the ewe lamb, must repay him fourfold what he's stolen. So David in his seemingly righteous indignation is saying that man who stole that that little ewe lamb that was like a daughter that he must repay fourfold that was more than than normal and here uh Zacchaeus knowing that story no doubt about it uh says I'll do the same thing if I've extorted if I've done anyone wrong I'll pay them back four times as much so he stands in all of his shortness and he declares restitution now, whatever I've done wrong I'll make it right and I'll give what up to even half of my possessions to the poor. And Jesus' response is in verse number 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, it says in verse 9, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, but the wording there doesn't sound like he's talking to Zacchaeus, does it? Again, listen to it. Uh, and, and he said to him, Today salvation has come to not your house, but this house. Because he, not you, because he too is a son of Abraham. Who's Jesus really talking to? He's not talking to Zacchaeus, even though Zacchaeus gets the point, I'm sure. He's talking to the crowd. He's talking to those people who are grumbling, saying, why would Jesus go and eat with this sinner? Why would Jesus go and eat with this tax collector? Why would he have anything to do uh, with that man? And verse number 10 says, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. So we think about this, you know, lots, lots of lessons that you can take from Zacchaeus. Again, uh, one recently that I've, that I've seen, it's been last decade or so probably, but the idea of being a sycamore. You know, someone planted that sycamore tree a long, long time before Zacchaeus ever needed it. But when it was needed, it was there. You can be a, a sycamore tree for someone else to lift somebody up so that they can see Jesus. That's Matthew five fourteen through 16. Let your light shine so that people can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You can be a sycamore. That's a, that's a powerful lesson. That would certainly be something that I think you should apply to your life. Your life should point people uh, to Jesus. You can think about Zacchaeus and, again, his willingness and his zeal to even do something that would be embarrassing uh, culturally, publicly, uh, to be able to, to, to get up and, and just want to see Jesus. What can you do that, that might be embarrassing and might, might be different than the way that your friends would live or the way that society would live, different than normal. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're supposed to be weird. We're supposed to be a little different. Uh, And if we're not very different, uh, then has God made a difference uh, in our lives? So you can take that as a lesson, certainly. But I really think, and I especially think probably for, for a lot of the New Testament, when we read it, and a lot of the things that, that Jesus says or that the writers say to, to the Jews who have been a part of God's family for a long time, I think in a lot of ways that applies to a lot of us who have been a part of God's family for a long time. We need to make sure that we don't, like the Jews, get so confident in our salvation that we forget what our purpose is. You see, the, these Jews here, they, they saw Zacchaeus and they saw somebody who didn't have any business spending time with Jesus. 
They saw Zacchaeus, and, and I imagine in my mind, I think I've shared this with you before, but you know, at first it says before he goes to the sycamore tree, he tries to go to just where the crowd is and see Jesus, right? My, my assumption in the way that I see it in my mind is there's this dirt road, and people have just lined up both sides of the road because they want to see Jesus. Maybe, maybe like at a concert or you know, as the, the, the players are going out of the basketball arena, they're just reaching out their hands just to be able to you know, get a high five or something from Jesus, right? That's the way that I see it. So I'm sure that Zacchaeus went there first, said, oh, there's the crowd, let me go and get them. And maybe, maybe he was trying to squeeze through them and get, get through them. Maybe he was saying, excuse me, he was being polite. And they recognized who he was. They said, hey, short guy, get out of here. You're not, you're not getting to the front of this line. We're, we're not going to let you get close to Jesus. You have nothing to do with Jesus. Okay, so they only saw someone because of at least his reputation, maybe even because of reality. Maybe he was a cheat. Maybe he was a thief. Maybe he was guilty of all of those things. But what else was he? He was also interested in seeing Jesus. And because of that, he went to extreme measures. So when, they, when we think about they in this verse, sometimes we may need to think about us. Uh, who do we see? More pointedly, who do you see as having no right or no chance or no place or no business with Jesus? Who in, in your life, and, and I think probably if we're honest with ourselves, we're all guilty of that sometimes. Then when we, just like when we look at those faces and we have an, an automatic thought about, well, I don't want to talk to that person, they look angry. Or I don't want to talk to that person, they don't look like they've got it all going on. We may look at a circumstance, maybe not a face, but we look at a circumstance or a situation or a marital status or a child status or a financial status and we say, uh, I don't think they're really interested. And we haven't even talked to the person. We have absolutely no idea. Have we ever been there? I think, I've been there. I've been there. Have you been there? Maybe instead we need to recognize their need for Jesus. Maybe instead we need to recognize that like, like Zacchaeus, they could change. Maybe instead that we, we should recognize and, and maybe be uh, impacted by the fact that when Zacchaeus changed his life, what did that do? It brought glory to Jesus. Maybe even more glory than the rich young ruler would have. If the rich young ruler would have followed Jesus, well, they, people would have just said, well, that makes sense. He's a good guy. He's followed the commandments from his youth. Of course he's going to follow Jesus. Yeah, that makes sense. And nobody's going to be superly impressed with that, right? But Zacchaeus, a thief, a tax collector, a sinner, someone who's unrighteous as far as everybody in the whole society is considered, this man changed his life, gave up half of his possessions to feed the poor and, and made any right, wrongs right. Man, that's significant. He made a big difference in Jesus' life, in his life, in Zacchaeus' life. And maybe they would bring, would bring even more glory to God. Who is it? Who is it in Cookville? Who is it in your life? Who is it at your job or in your neighborhood that you look at them and they're not on the top of your list of people that you'd really be interested in talking to them about Jesus? Because you just think, eh, I don't think they're interested. Their actions show they're not interested. You know, they, I hear them playing loud music with cuss words in it all the time. I, I see the way they, uh, you know, they, they treat people at work. I see this, I see that. We, we look, we see, and our expectation or our thought is, ah, they wouldn't be interested. You know, that's not our role. That's not our job. Our job is to plant the seed and to share the good news and to allow God to give the increase. Now, Zacchaeus showed some initiative, certainly, but it wasn't because of what anyone else did. Why did Jesus show the initiative, or why did Zacchaeus show the initiative? Because he had heard in some form or fashion about Jesus. Your job, Christian, is just to tell people and let people hear about Jesus. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the good group, group of folks that's here today. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to, to hear a familiar story, God. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for Zacchaeus, Lord, and we're thankful for the fact that uh, he was much more than just a short man, uh, that he was a man who had a great interest in your son, Jesus, uh, was willing to embarrass himself if that was necessary to be able to see Jesus. And when he saw Jesus and when he, he was given the opportunity, he changed his life. And Lord, um, we don't know anything else about Zacchaeus. We don't know the rest of the story. Uh, but these actions show that he was willing to make some significant changes in his life. Uh, Lord, many of us have done similar things. We've made some significant changes, and we are making some significant changes in our lives as we try to follow Jesus. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to recognize that. Help us to remember, if we've been Christians for a long time especially, help us to remember that there are people out in this world that can change just like we can, not because of their own strength, not because of their own self-control, because of your grace and your spirit and their willingness to be obedient to you to the best of their ability, God. Lord, please use us for your glory and forgive us for our sins. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, tonight, the challenge is go find your Zacchaeus. Don't make him climb a tree uh, in order for you to find him. Find the person, find the man, find the woman who needs Jesus, who needs to make a change. Uh, and then all your job is, is not to make him climb a tree, is not to make them come to Jesus, but to tell them the good news about your Savior, Jesus. And he's your Savior, so certainly you have some good news to share with them. Uh, if you have any needs tonight, if you want to tell us about things that you're going through, let us pray for you. We'd love to do that for you. If you're not a Christian tonight and you're ready to put Christ on in baptism, after you name him as the Lord of your life, we'd love to help you in whatever ways we can. And we invite you to come as we stand and sing.